You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Hello again, everyone. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm your host, Doug Thorpe. And today I've got a guest that's going to help us talk a lot about branding and some of your marketing efforts and ultimately ways to think about the creativity you might need for your business. Her name is Robin Landa. Robin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Doug. I'm very excited to chat with you today. As we were entering the green room, getting ready to launch the show, uh, late breaking news, uh, Robin was uh, recognized with a, with a great award of distinction. Robin, you want to share with everybody what that was? Thank you very much. Yes, um, President Lamont Repolette awarded the Presidential Excellence Award for Research to me just last week. So that's very exciting. It's a university-wide uh, award and and it, and he does it to recognize um, there are three awards one for service to the university one for teaching and one for research and creative works. And which university is that? It's Kane University. We're a, a very large public university in New Jersey. Yeah, after Governor the former Governor Kane. Yeah, Kane very family. good. Well, and again, I, I said it privately, I'll say it publicly, congratulations. Thank you so much. Uh, those, those are always um, tough, tough things to achieve, and especially in, a, um, in a, a pool of high achievers, I guess I'll say it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the faculty definitely are a pool of high achievers, yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit familiar with the academic realm. I've, I've done some adjunct teaching at university, and uh, so I have great respect and admiration for that. Well, as is somewhat custom on my show, tell us a little bit about your background and your journey to get to where you are right now and the focus area that you are so passionate about. Thank you so much for asking. I've um, always been interested in the visual arts. I was um, a visual arts major, undergraduate and graduate school. And um, I also did graduate work in art history. And that's, that's where my research shops comes in. And then once out, I, I really wanted to enter the advertising profession and the branding and graphic design profession, which I did. And then I got a chance to teach. And that just, I just fell in love with teaching. And, and I, 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 I call my King University where I work my Walden Pond because it's just <laughs> a wonderful place to be. It's a culturally diverse university with very talented students, most of whom are first generation college students. And my program has, and this is anecdotal, 98% employment. So that's, that's terrific. And it's very gratifying to see all these people that I've taught how to generate ideas out in the field and professional creative careers, really generating ideas on a daily basis. Because as you know, um, branding, advertising, graphic design demands daily ideas. Well, and I, this is probably going to sound like a very naive observation, but with the advent of all of our technology, the velocity that those new ideas need to bubble up and, and, and be available is, is just exponentially greater than it's ever been. 
That's a fantastic point because so many of my students are now who have graduated are working in social media and that's incredibly ephemeral. And um, so you really, it's almost like if you're, if you're creating for TikTok, you have to come up with five different things a day or now there's a new platform, Be Real. So you have to constantly adapt and be flexible and, and understand how to engage with all the new media and tech and platforms. You're so right. Yeah. You know, the, the days of, and when I'm old enough, I can claim this, the days of coming up with a campaign that might take six months or a year to unfold. Well, what was at that time core content of that campaign now burns its its shelf life in about a 48-hour cycle on social media. <laughs> and and people are ready for something else and something different. So, yes, um, absolutely. People want to be entertained. They want something and they want to participate. That's, that's really a big difference between um, when I started out in the business and it was one-way communication. You created TV spots that were um, pushed at people. And now we're pulling people in with participation. And that's what they want. They want to talk about the brands. They want to participate. They want to actually play with the brands in games, right? So like Wendy's enters Fortnite and people play with, with Wendy's characters. So it, it's it's really a brave new world of, of engaging with consumers and with people. I'm... I'm having a, a brain cramp here thinking about that. Uh, <laughs> the uh, that that is an idea that I, I guess I have not explored yet on this show. In in prior episodes, we've had people that have helped us talk some about marketing and branding and and getting messaging put together properly and leveraging social media, et cetera, et cetera. But can is there any way you can sum up maybe three or five or six, you know, really pivot points that have happened in the last couple of years that have impacted the ability to communicate a value brand. Yes. I mean, I, I think it started with two different campaigns. I'm sure you're familiar with one of them. One of them was the BMW film series and BMW, the brand, and um, I'm forgetting the name of the, the last name of the marketing, uh, the CMO, his first name is James, and Agency Fallon came up with the idea of original films that would be aired only on the internet. And they, and they were able to get really top directors like Frankenheimer, Ang Lee, Guy Ritchie, I mean, really top people to direct these films. Uh, and Clive Owen was the driver of the BMW. So he was the star, but really it's the BMW that's the star. And they never mentioned BMW. They're wonderful short films. You could only see them online. And that was really the beginning of great original uh, proprietary content where they were totally just about entertainment. It wasn't a hard sell. The other thing that happened, I guess, about 15 years ago, don't quote me on the date, was the um, for probably the first viral campaign online was for Burger King, and it was called Subservient Chicken. And you would go on this website, and it didn't say Burger King. There was a BK at the in the bottom corner, 
And there was a man dressed in a chicken suit, in, in a really bad chicken suit. And he was in a really dingy living room. And it looked like you were peeping in, like you were peeping Tom and you were looking in and you could type commands for him to do. So if you typed to jump, he would jump. If you type dance, he would dance. If you said, if you type, take off your clothes, he would lean in and go like this. No, no, no. And he was subservient because at Burger King, you have it your way. And people were spending seven and a half minutes on this and they were sending it to friends. And that really changed what advertising people had to do. Or I'll give you a new one that's just, I think, two wonderful ideas. One is by my friends at Pereira O'Dell, which is one of my favorite agencies in the world. It was, it's for a Chinese air conditioner manufacturer called Mydea. And they were trying, they're entering the, the US market and they decided to enter New York first. So what Pereira O'Dell did was have, I think it was 90 minutes of air conditioning in a movie theater for New Yorkers where there was really no film. It was just, you could sit and check your phone and talk to people in an air conditioned movie theater. Wow. <laughs> and there was a line to get it. I mean, there was a huge line to get in. People loved it. And what they were doing was addressing a gap in the New York market. Um, I live in New York and apartments are really, really hot. And so some of us run air conditioning, which is terrible all year round. And so they, this new brand was talking about how well it is aimed at New York City living. Wow. So is there a, a technical term for that now, some sort of experiential marketing? What? Yes, exactly right. Experiential marketing, unique creative content. And um, you, you asked for several bullet points and I didn't give them to you. So I would say that you have to, it has to be participatory. Experiential is a key. People want to experience something. People want something. They want to benefit whether it's functional or emotional, emotional meaning entertainment, or you're giving them something. Um, people really don't want one-way communication. They want authenticity. And one very important thing, especially with Gen Z, and I know Gen Z very well because I teach them, they want purpose-driven marketing. They want companies to um, put money, their money where their mouth is. So if you are... Uh, advocating for a cause, you better be putting money into a foundation or supporting the cause. Uh, it can't just be a washover. They really, really want to support brands that are doing something. Gen Z believes that brands should step up and and contribute, do their part uh, for, for the benefit of individuals, society, culture, and the planet. I, I, it might sound cliche, but I I'm thought the line going through my mind is we're not in Kansas anymore. Uh, <laughs> the uh, and what I mean by that is I'm I'm reflecting on my early days of uh, I was a business major in school and that required I don't know six nine maybe twelve hours of marketing that we did and back then it was you know, there was, there was basic story that you had to, you know, get into, but we were way more concerned about graphic design, color combinations, the psychology of color, the shapes, the, the fonts, 
the if you're going to put a picture in it what kind of picture and what are the subtle messages that go with that picture so on and so on and like i said boy listening to what you're describing we're, we're not in kansas anymore i mean this is but everything you're ball. saying still holds oh yeah okay oh, everything you're saying still holds <clears throat> you've got to think about all those things and all this other stuff about um how you're going to get people to engage with your brand and believe that you're walking the talk. So I guess the burning question in my mind, since so much of my audience is small business, they're, they're not the big Coca-Colas or Exxon's of the world, but they're, they're a unique offering of some sort. Is there a, a best practice for those guys on how to get a story created and, and put out in the market that can help them attract the right clientele? Yes. I think first of all, they really need to understand who their target audience is and then look for an insight into that audience. Insights are very important. What's the audience's behaviors? Where do they spend their time? So if you're um, aiming at as, Gen Z, don't put it on television. Don't don't have it. They're not watching television. They're on Be Real and Instagram and TikTok. So you really have to know where your people are and then use social media because it's free, right? So you have to produce the work, but you're not paying for airtime anymore, which is really great for small business. But don't sell give content, give information, give education, entertain, um, really think about what the, the mindset of the audience is what's in it for me, right? There's an old, I'm sure you know, Calvin and Hobbes uh, cartoon strip. And my favorite one is um, Calvin answers the phone and the caller says, may I speak to your father? And Calvin says, my father's not home. And the caller says, Take, would you take a message, please? And Calvin says, what's in it for me? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly what the audience is thinking. So if I'm trying to market my own books, I don't say, buy my book. It's great. You know, wh why? that's not going to do anything. I have to actually give them. I have to give my audience something that benefits them. And so really think about, how you can best use social media to reach people where they hang out, where they spend their time. And you can get those statistics. You can get those statistics from each media channel, from Google, find out what they want, what, what's the insight, what can you do for them that the, that the other brand is not doing. You know, what I hear from small business clients that I work with in, is a, a general sense of frustration, and I, I, I'm almost inclined to call it a, a too convenient excuse, but, but the general concern I hear them saying is when they start thinking about launching into some kind of creative campaign, they'll talk about the frustration of not knowing for sure which platform to be on or which, which um, effort to launch, you know, should it be Instagram? Should it be TikTok, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, you know, whatever. And um, 
I, I think for the common man, there there is a, a mass confusion about how to analyze and how to figure that out. And I'm because we're talking about ultimately we're talking about marketing, I'm reminded of the old story of you know, the CEO was asked about his marketing budget and he said, well, you know, half of it goes to waste. The problem is I just don't know which half. Right, right. Well, I, I they have to find their statistics and you can get them. You can get uh, demographics and psychographics from each media platform. They do provide these kind of things. And then you have to think about the fact of reach. So for example, um, I have my most connections on LinkedIn, but most people don't check LinkedIn more than once a day, if once a day, whereas people are on TikTok and Instagram several times a day. And so how often do you want to get to the people? What's the age group? What are their interests? Um, Twitter, you really have to know how to hashtag for Twitter and Instagram. You have to also be able to adapt to reels on uh, Instagram and and do the kind of videos that people want on TikTok. It's a very different kind of reel than on Instagram. So you really have to do some research and understand yeah. understand the animal that you're dealing with. Yeah. Well, I've, I, I'm accused of uh, a, a good friend finally put it in words. I was lamenting one day my frustration about certain things. And he said to me, he goes, well, Doug, what you're describing mm -hmm. You're just a millennial trapped in a boomer body. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, that's fair. I, I could take that. I, I definitely meet the age demographic for being a boomer, but um, I've always been a, a fast, early adopter of technology and change. And a lot of my colleagues who are doing other things now with their businesses, um, marvel at some of what I try to do on social media because I'm fundamentally everywhere. I mean, I'm, well, I, I say everywhere. I mean, I'm thinking of things like WhatsApp and Snapchat and a few of those that I, I'm aware of, but I, I don't do anything with. But everything you've named so far, I've got something going on out there, perhaps not big things. But um, for me, Reels is the new thing. I've I've got a a guy that's working with me on YouTube and we, um, he turned me on to shooting the reels, which we've now leveraged and, you know, we make available on Instagram and over on TikTok as well. It's, it's very much not your average TikTok content, but <laughs> if you know what I mean, but, uh, still nonetheless, we're there and we're, we're running some trials and seeing, you know, what kind of, uh, impact we have there. And but, in terms, I'm sorry. Well, well, I was just on that random rambling I just did. The, the question I think is how can a business owner get comfort in knowing they're investing or spending time doing the right thing with, you know, hopefully the optimized results for where they go with their marketing and creative effort? Yeah, that, that's a tough question. Um, it, it's hard to measure the ROI on, on these things. It's not like you're sending out direct mail and then you get you can see the numbers. Uh, I, I think it it's you have to experiment in the beginning and see where you get the most traction, where you get people making comments, where you get people viewing, and then and then you go from there. But it, it really does, even if you have a very small budget, 
pay to hire an expert. You can even get graduate students to hire to to do some work for you. Or even I hire my own university seniors to do a lot of work for me. I mean, I, I, I absolutely have to pay them, but they're already trained. And so you can get, you know, if you're small business, you can get some people who know what they're doing and, and have a handle on that particular channel to help you out. Another great thing for small business, because you mentioned YouTube, um, and I hadn't, is women, webinars on YouTube. And so again, you're giving content to people. Um, you're not just promoting yourself, but you're actually giving them something because one of the first places to learn how to do something, how to is, is going to YouTube, right? Or Pinterest, people, oh, forget, yeah. people forget about Pinterest. So it really depends on the small business, but you have to do a little bit of legwork. You have to do a little bit of research and not just say, oh, I'm gonna go on Instagram because that's what people are talking about. But who are you aiming at and are they going to engage with you there uh, so a little research goes a long way i think that may be where a lot of people struggle is, is that idea i mean intuitively we we understand the concept perhaps of of having research done but if that's not your forte that's not your field you know, again, you know, like where do you start really defining uh, the, a popular word I've heard a lot of marketing people share is, you know, they'll ask a business owner, what's your avatar, meaning, meaning your ideal, you know, target client. Right, right. And again, intuitively, I get all that, but then you've, you've got people that will say, well, truly, I think we serve several different audiences and what do I do about that? Right. Well, you're you're on several channels, right? Right. And I do want to mention one really great way, two great ways to do research that's free. And one, I just read an article this morning that Hershey Company was doing it. Um, the Dove Real Beauty campaign, which is running for almost 20 years, started by doing what I'm about to tell your audience, which is social listening. So you go on... Twitter, you go on Instagram, you search hashtags, you search your product category, you search your sector, and you see what people like and what they don't like, what they're complaining about, what their pain points are. And that's a really, really great way. That's how they came up with the Dove Real Beauty campaign. They were on Twitter and they realized that women were trash talking themselves. Mm. And they wanted to change that conversation. Hershey just did this research. Uh, it was one one facet of the of the research. The other was, of course, um, on site in supermarkets, which is also free to do. Look for you know, like interventions there, observations. But Hershey just did it to see what people were saying about package sizes and and Easter baskets, and and it really helped. They found insights there, so that's free. And that's how I teach my students to do research because they have no budget for research when they're doing a project. But social listening is fantastic. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of a story. I had an episode recently where we featured <coughs> a, a new book that's out called The Bezos Letters. It's, a, it's an in-depth study about business strategy directed by Jeff Bezos and everything he's done with Amazon. Um, one of many facets of that 
as 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 Bezos was in keen on really understanding customer experience, customer preference, one of the things they uncovered was if they're selling toys, parents hate the shrink wrap packages that toys come in because they're it, it's an event to try to unpack a toy <laughs> and you've got a screaming five-year-old at your heels wanting their toy and it takes you 10 minutes to bust through the plastic. Amazon basically directed their suppliers to stop packaging that way. You know, send us the stuff in some protective material, but don't put that hard shell coating around everything. And I know that's not 100% true yet because things still occasionally come that way. But by and large, if you order a toy through an Amazon store and you compare that to going into, say, a Walmart or a CVS or someplace like that where that same toy might be on sale, you're going to get a whole friendlier packaging experience. <laughs> and, and Amazon has the power to do that. And it's also, I, I don't know if, I don't think Amazon intended this, but it's better for the environment not to have all that plastic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that was a happy byproduct of yes. that. Yeah. But but again, to the point, that was not the incentive. Amazon was trying to address the known frustration people were feeding them about unpacking those kinds of uh, items. So. Very interesting. Well, I'll tell you what, Robin, I think we're up on a, a moment of commercial break here, speaking of commercialization of everything. So uh, we're going to take a short break, folks, and we'll be right back after this message. Business is all about solving complex problems as fast as you can create them. Become the best problem solver by leading others to greatness, too. And the first step is going to DougThorpe.com. Doug Thorpe is known globally for coaching entrepreneurs and business leaders, improving their performance and the work output of everyone surrounding them. You can find health, wealth, and happiness by learning to lead others to health, wealth, and happiness. Go to DougThorpe.com now and order Doug's books or hire him to coach your managers. That's Doug, T-H-O-R-P-E.com. Well, hello again, everyone. We're back. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm Doug Thorpe, and my guest today is Robin Landa. She is a... Um, uh, professor at a university that is helping people with marketing ideas and, and more importantly, creative ability. And, and we are going to shift gears here in the second half of the show. Robin has uh, come up with a, a new approach to creative thinking and design, and I'm going to let her unpack that and explain that to us. Thanks so much, Doug. Uh, there are different ways to generate ideas. There are uh, several old processes. One was first introduced in 1926 by Graham Wallace, and then again in 1953 by James Webb Young, who was an advertising man and kind of translated Graham Wallace's process of idea generation. And then in 1953, another advertising guy Alex Osborne introduced something that I'm sure all of your listeners know about, which is brainstorming. And so um, what I have found over the years of teaching and consulting is that those processes kind of have black boxes in them. There's, there's, they give you, brainstorming doesn't even give you really much of a process. It just sort of says, throw out ideas and don't be judgmental and everybody contribute. But how does the idea come together? And in the other process, 
there also is no moment where they explain how the idea comes together. And so in teaching, students would get very frustrated. So I, I codified my method. And it's the first one since 1953. And I call it the three Gs. You have a goal, you have a gap, and you have a gain. So a goal, most people think a goal is an idea, but it's not. It, it's the start. It's what you want to achieve. The gap is really crucial. And this is very important for your small business uh, owners and clients and listeners. The gap is, and I'm putting on my glasses so I can think better. <laughs> the gap is that missing piece. Um, it could be the missing piece in an industry or a sector. It could be the missing piece like in, in research, um, in a product or a service category. It can be an unconsidered audience or an underserved audience. So for example, in gaming, tween girls are pretty much ignored. Uh, most of games are aimed at boys and tween girls get like babysitting games or pet games and they're, they're really just, it's a really ignored audience. Um, seniors are ignored in gaming. So there are all kinds of holes in different sectors and industries, even if you think that everything is saturated. Is there a method that hasn't been tested? Um, is there a new class of drugs or a new class of medicine? So messenger RNA is a new class of medicine that the Star Chamber didn't want to know about and a couple of pioneers really went for so the gap is really, really critical to seeing how your goal fills a void. And then finally, it's the gain. Who's going to gain? Who's going to benefit from you filling this void and from your goal? And those three Gs together really help you form a worthwhile idea. Not a frivolous idea, not a harmful idea, not any old idea, but a meaningful idea. You know, the uh, as you, you were describing that, the one thing that came to my mind was was the middle value there, the gap. Uh, that has been a principle that's been around business school at least as long as I know about it. That you know, the fundamental definition of how to succeed in business is find a gap in the market and go fill it. And um, that's a grossly oversimplified way of explaining it, but that that has been a premise that most have tried to launch out on. What I fear happens too much for the entrepreneur is they set themselves on fire over an idea that they're just absolutely convinced is the second coming, and they go find funding, they go mobilize a team, and, and they get started only to find that the market is going yawn, don't need it, don't want it, don't care. And so speaking to that entrepreneur that is getting excited about their idea, and I, I think where it gets confused of late is that we have had so many of these so-called disruptive ideas We've had Uber and Airbnb and, you know, these other ideas that have hit the street and, and truly disrupted longstanding businesses. But where does that entrepreneur kind of introduce themselves to some level of reality and, and turn the pure passion into informed thinking about which way to go? 
Right, which is why I talk about the gap in the game. And so for me, you really have to know what your your goal with people call an idea will satisfy. What are people's needs? What are people's desires? What's missing? Um, and then you assess it by seeing if there's a benefit in there, a functional or an emotional benefit. So you're assessing by seeing the benefit. But what I really advocate for is a benefit beyond profit, is, is the triple bottom line, is the benefit for people, the planet, and profit. Um, to me, those, those are worthwhile ideas. I, I don't, at this point in time, really just think about profit. I, I think it's we're, we're at a precarious moment, and we really have to think about the planet and individuals and society and culture. And so... The reason that people really like my method is that it's, there's assessment in there. Yeah. And um, I guess I'm coming back to this again, thinking very much about that private business owner that wants to really try to, you know, create something that satisfies a lot of those things. I, I keep coming back to the challenge of where do they really start and how do they really do some of this work to better position their brand and the message they're trying to get out there. Well, again, you need to do some research, right? You can't, somebody had asked me about <clears throat> his friend had an idea and he jumped into it, but jumping in isn't, isn't, you know, you don't jump in the water without knowing how to swim. I mean, you have to really understand the marketplace and the sector and the industry. And is there a need? Is there a desire? Um, what do people really want? So Steve, Steve Jobs really understood that the smartphone would really make lives easier. Mm -hmm. right? What makes lives better? What, what would engage people? Um, what as, as I keep going back to Gen Z, if you're doing something, is there an also not only a benefit for you, but is it more sustainable? Is it toxic free? Is it, as you said, less plastic on toys? Are the toys um, manufactured in such a way that that pieces kids aren't going to choke on pieces? Like, what can you do that's better? Um, and that that's an old idea, but I'm really thinking about not just better for your business, but better for people and the planet. And it, it does take some some research. It really does. You can't just jump in. And sometimes, as you said, it's an intersection of what's happening. So Uber, we have smartphones, right? And and that allowed for the taxi service to happen. Right. A lot of things happen at that that intersection. And if you think about technology and how you can best leverage it, that helps as well. And in the book, I really talk about a lot of um, people who've done great work by thinking about benefits. I'm sorry if you hear sirens. I live in, in New York City and there are constant. No, it's not. It's fine. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm, as we've been talking here, I'm, I've thought about a situation. I uh, once had a client that was um, a, a very unique <clears throat> technology company they they were custom coders by trade they didn't have a specific app or a specific process they were selling but rather they were there to be 
custom program developers. And they also, the, the unique thing about their deal is they had also some capacity to actually build the hardware devices that could go with it. So the easiest way to communicate it is if, if, if you are familiar with the internet of things, you know, you know, small devices that have intelligence, they talk to the cloud, they perform different task functions and controls. And basically that's what this company could do. It was sort of a full stack solution as they called it, but trying to help them find a, a story to tell the market and attract potential business became just an incredibly difficult challenge because, um, you know, how do you, how do you target a particular segment? Is it by person? Is it by business? Is it by, um, you know, other, are they really a B2B company or they, you know, they've, they've got to attract, the vision of a of another founder who's wanting to build a a product or a service that needs some of that kind of support right right and, and i think you just put your finger on it right like who who needs what they have and how does that one one go to that i always talk about are pain points what what solves something for somebody else, right? So if it's a B two B, what are they going to solve for this other company or manufacturer? Or um, you think about the success of recent new brands. Of, I'm not remembering the name of it, but the 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 guy who sells the men's shirts that are shorter when they wear the shirts outside. Oh yeah, untuck. Right, untuck. Right. Yeah. Like, a pain point, right? Men wanted to wear the shirt out, but it looked sloppy because it was too long. So long, yeah. R really, like really interesting pain point or the new business of you send your image from your phone directly to this company and they'll frame it for you immediately. So it's like they're solving little problems for people. Um, and and so I always talk about looking at pain points, whether it's in a B2B or, or business to consumer or um pharmaceuticals. Um, one of my biggest clients, and I can't name them because I signed a, an NDA, uh, is the third largest manufacturer of um, carbonated beverages in the country. And this is a while ago. And this is at a point where people were starting to not want to drink sugary beverages. And this was really big for them. Um, this was a big problem. And I said, well, what about you You already make seltzer, you already make club soda, and you already have flavorings. How about having flavored seltzers? And it was like, I mean, now they're all over the place, but there was a gap in the industry back then. And that was a huge gain for them. But thinking about how can we solve this idea of flavor with no sugar and, and no artificial yeah. sweetener? Yeah. That's an interesting segment. I, I too have some experience with that um, at one of my corporate clients who also won't name, but uh, if I named the brand, you'd know immediately. But <laughs> the, the whole evolution of thinking by the consumer in what is a desirable beverage, I guess I'll sum it up that way. You know, in the day, um, a, a beverage like 
and I'll just generically say Coca-Cola or Pepsi, you know, was, was the desired product, but then everybody went to the weight conscience. They wanted low calorie. And then now it's like, we don't want any of that. We want flavored seltzer <laughs> and right. other things. Um, one, one question I want to ask, there's a very, uh, hot, idea in marketing that I think has caught fire, at least maybe in, in the audience I deal with a lot. Uh, Donald Miller in his effort for story brand. Um, wh what say you about that approach in marketing? Yes, I'm actually writing a book right now for Columbia University Press um, called Shareworthy Storytelling for Advertising. And you do need a, an, uh, a larger story, you need a brand manifesto that sort of starts off your story, a brand construct that starts off your story. You need to understand, as Simon Sinek says, your why, what's your mission, what's your purpose, what's your passion, what are you doing for people? And all of that goes into the story. I mean, you can talk about brand archetypes, you can talk about, um, as you said, your your customer avatar, the the personality perspective, but it is important to have a larger story of why you're doing what you're doing and how you communicate that. And a brand manifesto is a really interesting way to do that because a brand manifesto, whether it's for business or consumer, really talks about feelings and it's the emotional side of the brand or the company. And that can really give you insight as to how to move forward with the larger, what I call the North Star story. Yeah, yeah. I had a guest on one of my earlier shows. His name was Kirian Therakon, interesting name, but he's out of Canada. He wrote a book about, um, the title of it was Seven Essential Stories That Charismatic Leaders Tell. And as we were going through the material there, I, I was reminded from a marketing standpoint, one of those or all of those seven different stories really does help the marketing and advertising idea because you've got the Genesis story, the we will overcome story, the, mm -hmm. you know, and that, I'm not remembering all seven of them on the spot here, but from a very comprehensive marketing campaign, having the ability to tell those seven stories. And, and one of the seven is the why, you know, and to your point, the, you know, the greater good we're going to serve in the community and for the planet, all that becomes part of story content that has to be out there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, if you read Campbell, the hero's journey, you know, it's cross-cultural, all these stories, the, um, you know, Harry Potter is, is the orphan hero. Like there, there are all these constant themes that run through, but how do you really tailor it for what you're going to do for people and, 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 and who your audience is, because it absolutely has to align your values as a company and a brand have to align with the values of the audience. Otherwise it's inauthentic. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to walk the talk. Yeah. So, so as before we run out of time here, tell us about your book. You've got the graphic in, in your backdrop there and it's uh, when is it releasing? I'm very excited. It's coming out November 8th. Uh, it's published by Barrett Kohler and distributed by Penguin Random House. And that's the book uh, that has my new idea generation method in it. 
And last June, my other book came out, which covers everything that you were asking me about branding. And that's called Strategic Creativity, a Business Field Guide for Advertising, Branding, and Design. That was published by Rutledge. Awesome. awesome. And I, I just do want to tell your listeners that I give most of my royalties away to um, to organizations. Right now, I'm giving a lot to humanitarian relief and Mostly I give it to um, to fund scholarships for students in need. Very nice. Yeah. Well, good for you. That's, uh, I, I, I think to your earlier point, that is so vital in the world today. You know, people are, are, are sensitive to where's the money going. You know, if they, if they pay for a good or service, they want to find out if there's something else that's being funded by virtue of the, uh, money they're giving a company or a or a provider um so I, I i think that is top of mind for people these days well robin um one last factoid tell people how they can best get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more thank you doug my website is my name robinlanda.com and you can get free stuff there quick start guides and other downloads and i'm on i'm like you doug i'm on all social media channels a little bit everywhere yeah a little bit everywhere yeah well robin this has been great and thank you so much for joining us and and sharing this insight and wisdom thank Good you stuff. so much for the opportunity i'm i'm a big fan of yours well thank you thank you i as as often happens i want to remind everybody all these references to the great books that robin's done and her other work is uh, we will have everything packed into the show notes so if you uh, could not get it on the fly uh, click over to wherever you uh, grab this episode and uh, there will be show notes available that'll have all those links for you and with that, I also want to remind everybody that we have this show on video on YouTube, channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. You're welcome to hop over there. And we, we touched on a little bit earlier in the show, we're, we're trying to do a little experiment on my side with um, taking segments and creating reels for YouTube and TikTok and Instagram and those kinds of things. So be on the watch for that. We'll have that coming um, a few more before year end, but probably in a bigger way in, in the new year. So um, uh, hopefully that'll that'll help spread the word and, and get everything out there for you. In the meantime, we're going to sign off, say goodbye, and thank you for listening. We hope to see you again real soon. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.